Welcome back to the Gobble Em Up podcast, an official podcast of the Fifth Quarter Network, presented by Duncan Mazda in Blacksburg. Now, here's your host, Carter Hill and Lance Weller. All right, welcome back in, everyone. Welcome to episode 13 of the Gobble Em Up podcast, a part of the Fifth Quarter Sports Network and presented by Duncan Mazda in Blacksburg. Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Kwanzaa, Happy Holidays, whatever you celebrate. Happy holiday week. We're so thankful you spent some of that with us here at the Goblin of HQ. Um, do you need a car or Mazda? I'm just finishing over the ad read. Head on over to Duncan in Blacksburg. I drive a Mazda around town. I love it. So if you need a Mazda, Duncan will take care of you over there. So make sure to hit up Duncan. Whether you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any other platform, we thank you all so much for joining us. If you're on Apple or Spotify, go ahead and subscribe and give us a rating. That would be awesome. That would be great. You'll get notifications of the podcast being released firsthand, so make sure you go ahead and do that. Paul Duncan is our producer. Lance Weller is my co-host, and I'm Carter Hill, your host and contributor to Fifth Quarter. I said gobble them up HQ, but Paul and I are actually still in Blacksburg, but coming to you from an alternate location. Today, we're at the producer's he says lair, as he calls it. So <laughs> so we're down, <laughs> we're down here still in Blacksburg. Um, Lance is at home, Apex, North Carolina, as we lead up towards the holidays. Um, so Lance is still at home joining virtually. He'll be doing that for about another month. Reminder to follow us on Twitter at FQ Gobble Up is our fifth quarter or our, where I'll, where I can't talk podcast, Twitter, our Gobble Up podcast, Twitter at FQ Virginia Tech is our fifth quarter, Virginia Tech, Twitter at CB Hill underscore three is mine. And at Lance Willer three is Lance's. All right, let's go through our slate real quick today. Lance, this is kind of the first podcast we've had where we're able to just kind of kick our feet up and just talk football, talk basketball, whatever. There's not really any games to recap. We'll kind of touch through the, the Coppin State win for Virginia Tech basketball, but that'll be a quick little segment. So what we're going to go through today is um, our podcast actually last week was we recorded at a, an inconvenient time with all the news that broke the next day. So we're literally going to be going through all of the topics with Virginia, with Virginia Tech football right now. We're going to be going through the decision the Hokies made to not extend the bowl streak and play in a bowl game. They decided to opt out of a bowl game for 2020, like many other teams. We'll talk about that. We'll give a 2020 Virginia Tech football season recap, go through all 11 games, give some, give some statistics. Then Mike Nizalik, who's Virginia Tech football's beat writer for the Roanoke Times, is going to hop on, give his thoughts on the 2020 season. He's got some good stuff to say. I joined him. Um, in that segment. So that'll be a nice little segment. Then we'll give our final thoughts on national signing day that happened last week, go through all 25 players that signed last week with Mike McDaniel. We went through a little bit of the signing day stuff, but there were some players that flipped and signed unexpectedly. So we're going to be going through that. Then we will go through with our Hokies men's and women's hoops update. Um, recap Notre Dame on the women's compensate on the men's real fast, and then look ahead towards what's ahead for both programs then we're going to give you our final totals for picks of the week and hidden gems of the year before we're going to be making some bowl picks. We'll pick every single bowl game pretty quickly, as quickly as possible. So um, we will do that before we will close it out. Well, Lance, like I said, it's the holiday week. What you've been up to at home? I know you finished finals last week. You're done with school. What's the plan? What's on the agenda this week as you prepare towards uh, December 25th? Uh, not much, really. I guess going to go see some family. Uh, I mean, not, I mean, just kind of hang around here for the most part, watch some sports, I guess, and football, but, and some college basketball, but yeah, not much. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm heading back to the 757 to Williamsburg, Virginia 
to enjoy some holiday time with family. And then I'm actually heading to your area to be your backyard on Christmas Day, assuming we don't get a ton of snow. Right now we're supposed to get some snow on that day um, towards right outside of Raleigh and Wilson, North Carolina. So I'll be driving right through your corridor, right through Durham, Apex, that little area over there. I always like when we drive down the interstate, I think we hit, um, I remember it just because we stayed there. I think when, when Tech and when Frank Beamer was still the head coach, Virginia Tech always stayed at that double tree in Durham. Um, when they played North Carolina and Duke and right there, there's that sign that says apex. Yeah. So um, every time I drive by, I'm like, all right, we're pretty close. But then I end up thinking like, oh, there's, you got to get off all these, high- like, we're not, I mean, we're close, but we're not like, it's not like you get off the highway and, you know, yeah. your house is right there. So, so it's, um, I always think about that when I drive by, but I mean, like I said, we got a full slate ready for you, you uh, here, ready to go. Paul, what, what, what you up to this week? I'm just gonna enjoy myself off school, man. Yeah. He said he's just gonna enjoy himself off school. Um, Like he said, action packed podcast today. So let's jump right into it. Like I said in the opening, Virginia Tech decides to officially opt out of a bowl game for 2020, which seemingly ends the nation's longest active bowl streak at 27. We'll kind of talk about that topic in a minute, specifically to the bowl streak. But nonetheless, like many other teams in college football, Virginia Tech decides against playing in the postseason, go home for Christmas. Lance, what do you take of this decision by the Hokies? I mean, I'm not surprised. I I don't know how I feel about it. I mean, I would like to watch this, you know, play one more game, especially, I guess, now that Fuente's back. Um, I guess it would have been awkward kind of if we had an interim coach for a game. So, I don't know. I mean, I guess it's disappointing a little bit to end the bowl streak, but it didn't really feel like we deserved a bowl anyways this year, like, I mean, we went five and six. I, you know, I guess we would have ended up in a decent bowl game just because all the opt outs, but not really surprising. I mean, I can't really blame the kids either. It's been a long season, so. Yeah. Um. So, like I said, we'll talk about bowl streak in a minute. What I make of this decision by Virginia Tech is, yeah, I would like to see them play one more time. It seemed likely they were headed to the military bowl for a while, but as more and more teams began to opt out, it seemed to lean towards the direction the Hokies were headed back to Charlotte, which Wake Forest is actually playing it now, the Dukes Mayo Bowl, which would have been a fun bowl game. They were allowing some fans in there. Um, short drive down there, probably would have played, a, I guess, their Big Ten opponents, maybe Wisconsin, Penn State, they opted out. So um, your options were running kind of short of who you're going to play. And as we're seeing today, there's plenty of other bowl games being canceled because many teams are deciding not to play. Um, I don't blame them, like I said, or like you said, I mean – they want to go home for Christmas. I know they were able to get home for Thanksgiving, but people don't think about not every player went home for Thanksgiving, just the ones that were as local as possible. Um, I get why they want to get home. It's, it's been a long season. I don't think they wanted a swab stuck up their nose three times a week for three more weeks. And then to be able to have to stay home and quarantine before a bowl game that keep in mind, you may go up there the night before and it's not even played and you know, you waste Christmas at that point. Um, so, no, I get that from that standpoint. Um, and people have to think about the, the small crowd that's like, I mean, the Bowl Street, like, come on, like, we got to be playing. I think, like, they're people, too. Um, they're not just football players. They're people. They're people. There's people they want to go home to, whether it's family, friends, significant others. Just, I mean, there's a lot of people in their lives that I guess they want to go home and see. Um, and that I, I don't blame them whatsoever to be able to go home and do that. And as far as the bowl street goes, 
yeah, I, I guess you say the street technically ended because there's no bowl game to put in that front in, in 2020. There's no bowl game to put there. Uh, I think some people will advocate, and I think what you're going to see, and I don't know what your opinion is on this, is the bowl streak now going forward for Virginia Tech is going to be a take it for what it's worth thing. So you may have an asterisk next to 2020 where everyone was bowl eligible technically, but um, Virginia Tech would have been invited to one. A lot of teams are choosing not to play. I think there's very few teams that are playing in a bowl game that are not in a New Year's Six Bowl. And quite a bit of those teams are group of five teams. So it's definitely, I think most of the American teams are playing except for Navy. So a lot of those Conference Conference USA American teams are playing and a lot of like the ACC said a ton of teams opt out the PAC 12, which had a meaningless season had a four and two conference champion and is only having only sending two teams to a bowl game. They played a completely meaningless season. So they're not even sending anyone. The big 10 had a lot of people opt out or a lot of teams, I should say opt out. The SEC, I think still has a decent amount of teams planning to play, but I don't know what, what's your opinion on how the bowl streak will be perceived going forward. I mean, I guess it was like, I don't know. I, I wouldn't be surprised, like you said, if a lot more bowls end up getting canceled this year and then everybody's kind of lost a bowl streak anyways and then they just kind of scrap this year and it just counts towards the bowl streak anyways. I don't know. But, to be honest, I mean, it, it was a cool streak and everything, but especially this year, like you said, the meaning of going to a bowl is just so, like, diluted. It, you know, everybody right. can go. So, And I would have had – Go ahead. Go ahead. I mean, I'm just, you know, I, I'm kind of in the middle on it. Like, I, I don't really care either way at this point. Like, it's not that big of an achievement to go to a bowl anymore. So, like, it didn't feel like we deserved to go to one anyways this year. So, right. And I guess, like, it's not that big of an achievement to go to a bowl game now, but I guess, like, the last 27 years, the first 20 of that, it pretty much was. Mm-hmm. So, I think that's what, what that's, I think the bowl streak matters for sure. But, I mean, I just think this year, and I would have said this even if Virginia Tech had decided to play, because I think that vote was pretty close. It seemed like there was a lot of players that wanted to play. And I I, I don't know this for sure, but I, I have a good feeling that the coaching staff tried to find ways to be able to play with those guys. Um, but I, it just didn't seem like it was going to be possible. But I would have, like I said, I would have said this if Virginia Tech had decided to play, but the bowl games this year, like you said, they're not bowl games like they were in years past. Say say we were in Annapolis, which likely now it would have been Charlotte, but let's say we were going to Annapolis to play. I know you and I have been to the military bowl a couple of times. I've been there for not even just Virginia Tech bowl games, but I've been there for to see North Carolina play too last year against uh, Temple. Those teams, as you know, they stay in Washington, D.C., so they go up five, six days before, even though they're not home for Christmas, their families can come up there, which would not be the case this year. They do the fun stuff around Capitol Hill, the National Mall, all the fun stuff in D.C., and then head on off to Annapolis for the game, which is right outside the Naval Academy. Um, That would not have been the case this year. I think the military bowl is on the 28th. The team probably goes up there on the 27th, like a normal road game, They play the next day in front of zero fans. This is just kind of what the picture would look like for the players to what the fans know. I'm sure there's a a lot more logistics to it. But going the 27th up to D.C., stay the night, then go to Annapolis, play the game in front of no fans so the seniors would not have their families there for the last game. The military board said no fans. 
And you also, like I said, run the risk of the game getting canceled. That doesn't sound so fun. A lot of the bowl games, the meaning behind bowl games is an extra few weeks of practice, team bonding. Yeah. You know, Charlotte's a fun place to go bowling to, which, like I said, would be a possibility. You would go to Charlotte the night before. Years passed for the Belk Bowl, which is now the Duke's Mayo Bowl. They have gone to like the NASCAR Speedway down there. Um, I'm trying to think what else. They may have gone to Carowinds one year. Um, but I mean, the, the meaning there is completely lost, like you said, for sure. Yeah, it's just not what I mean. It's, it's like you said, it's just another road game. So, yeah, I don't blame them at all for not wanting to go. I mean, uh, I right. completely get it. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. So, Virginia Tech, we'll see how they perceive it going forward with the bowl streak. But as of now, the 27 year bowl streak has been snapped, not because of what happened on the field, but because of a pandemic. And Virginia Tech will now turn their sights to the 2021 season. But before we do turn our sights to the 2021 season, we haven't looked through the last pat the past year in Virginia Tech football. Um, so we're going to be doing a season recap right now, going through everything, kind of the basic stuff. Virginia Tech finishes five and six, tied a, a big tie for six in the ACC. So that's pretty generous. Um, they finished five and six, five and five in the league because they had the loss to Liberty. Lance, I I'm going to ask Mike Nizalik in a few minutes, what his thoughts were to this question. But if you could use one word to describe Virginia Tech football this season, what would it be? Um, I guess probably inconsistent. Uh, like, looked like we had some good performances against UVA and State. And then at times we just looked, like, really bad too. I, so, like, you know, Liberty, end of my, the Miami game. Duke, even we just, you know, I would say inconsistent, also disappointing. But my one more would definitely be inconsistent. Like, we showed flashes at some points, and at other points, we just looked like we show even against Clemson, like we looked really good for a while. But yeah, my word would be inconsistent. Yeah, I think that's fair too. Um, Andy Bitter said that, and I would assume that Mike Nislik might have similar thoughts. That's a, uh, that's a word I would use too, inconsistent. Like you said, up and down way too much. Um, since you kind of touched on that, I'll kind of go through some statistics. Like I said, Hokies finished five and six. They start the year off with a bang. They were down, I think, 23 players and two coaches. Dominate NC State, which turned out to be a, a very good NC State team. Um, and that was with their backup quarterback then, and they had their backup quarterback now. Devin Leary went out for the year. Um, they squeak one out at Duke, and then they – stay on Tobacco Road, head on over to Chapel Hill, and just play a Big 12 shootout against North Carolina, which at that point in the year, if we have the majority of our defenders back, we may have a shot to win the game. Who knows? Braxton Burmeister started out that game. That's when they moved over to Hendon Hooker. They drop that game. They go home. They dominate Boston College. Everything looks right. Everything looks like it's going well. The loss to North Carolina, you know, we're getting our players back. We're getting our guys back. And then we have the dud at Wake Forest, which, granted, they were not as bad as we thought at that point. Um, they only, I think they finished 4-4. Four and four. They only played eight games, but I think a lot of people thought they were maybe a two-win team at that point. So um, lose that one, 23-16. Classic Virginia Tech upset loss type of game. Well, I guess that's to come later in the season, but. You drop one to Wake, you head on over to Louisville, you get a big win there. Um, 
they won by a touchdown, but it was a, a pretty solid win at that point in the season. You think, you know, you, you got it good. You're headed into Miami five and two. Then Liberty happens and then you're four and three. And then the fan base is all riled up at Justin Fuente again. You should, you, we should have beaten Miami. Um, they score with six minutes left, I believe for the first lead in the game. And they hold on to win. That's a game we should have won too. We should have beaten Liberty should have beaten Miami. Um, I'm not going to say we should have beaten Wake Forest. We were just outplayed in that game. Um, we sh- we should have beaten Liberty. We should have beaten Miami. We're four and four at that point, and then Pittsburgh happens. Um, we head on over to Pitt, which was the low of the season. We get demolished, forty-seven to fourteen, and then Clemson comes in after a bye week, and we play a pretty solid first half, solid three quarters even. Stayed in the game, and then we lost some opportunities. Burmeister goes down with the injury. And then Hooker, in what turns out to be his last snap as a Hokie, very bizarre situation, fumbles. It's ran back, and he's shaking on the sidelines. And they, they put that one to bed. And then Virginia was the high of the season, uh, four and six. I think Virginia thought they had that game one, too. We talked about that last week. And the Hokies got a big win against the Cavaliers. They – Squeaked out a, a well, I shouldn't say squeaked out. They dominated Virginia, which I think yeah. surprised a lot of people. I mean, they they dominated Virginia from that opening drive when the when UVA scored, you got seven to three. The defense was dominant the rest of the way, absolutely dominant. The offense played well. Burmeister had a heck of a game, which we'll talk about that in a minute. I didn't say this in the intro, but we'll touch on the transfers. Hendon Hooker leaving. Talk about that a little bit as well with Megan Nizelik, but. I mean, we end the year five and six, like, which is very disappointing. But I mean, we end the year on a high note, like we talked about, no bowl game. But there's guys leaving, um, graduation transfers. Hopefully, we'll get some transfers in. We'll talk about that in a minute with how Virginia Tech has handled the transfer situation. Um, but I mean, we'll see. Christian Darius headed to the draft. I would assume yeah, James Mitchell is going to go to. the yeah, he's about to get paid. Diablo's about to get paid too. Yeah. No one talks about that. But he's he's gonna be a you know third, fourth round guy. But yeah. Um Diablo or uh Darisol's gonna be a top 15 pick. Caleb Farley, I know he didn't play this year, will be probably a top 20 pick, maybe. I would assume he would be in the works of that. Um they're gonna it's funny though. Tech was five and six this year, and they may have five draft picks this year. Yeah, they, which is, I mean, last the last few years they haven't had a ton of draft picks, but they've had a lot of talent. I doubt James Mitchell comes back, so you're gonna have to replace a lot. Khalil Herbert's not coming back. Um, like I said, we missed a lot on the podcast last week based on when we recorded, but we'll yeah. talk about next season. Good. I mean, Juice. Hopefully, Juice gets drafted in a later round. You know, running backs who just don't get drafted that. You know, they don't get drafted that high for some reason. It's but, a good year for running backs too in the yeah, draft. Yeah. I think he's one of the top ones though. His vision is just unbelievable. Yeah, I'm hope. I mean, hopefully he gets drafted because, I mean, I think he's ready to move on and go, you know, to the league or his next phase of life. But I mean, hopefully, if he's drafted in the sixth or seventh round, I mean, he he may have been hope or he may have been maybe thinking that he should have come back. But maybe he's a fifth round guy. That's probably where I see him going. Mm-hmm. Fifth round guy. I think he can be a successful NFL back. I could see him as a as a backup, um, kind of like a. I honestly could see him as like a you know a Ray Ray McLeod type of guy for the Steelers behind James Conner, 
someone like that. I don't follow the NFL as closely, but that's kind of the comparison that I'm uh-huh. jumping off the top of my head. But obviously he played at Clemson. But All right, I'm going to go through some, some statistics from the year before we talk about the transfer situation. Let's look at the team leaders. So Hendon Hooker obviously is the leader in passing yards, but Braxton Burmeister is actually a lot closer than you'd think for the amount of reps both got. Hendon Hooker finishes with 1,339 passing yards. The leading rusher, the man Khalil Herbert, uh, 1,182 rushing yards. Receiving yards, this one may surprise you. Do you have a guess who was the leading receiver on Virginia Tech this year? Um... Got Mitchell, right? Tavion Robinson. Wow. That one surprises me. 592 yards. I would have thought Mitchell easily would have been because Turner was banged up a lot of the year, mm-hmm. and he, he wasn't as involved as a lot of people thought. Um, back to Hendon Hooker real quick. We'll talk about it with Mike, but Hendon Hooker, he's a really good quarterback, and I, he didn't take the steps forward that I thought he was going to this year and I'll get your take on that in a minute when we had to transfers, but um, tackles Chamari Connor leads the team with 81 and divine Diablo had four interceptions um, quarterback wise 65.3% completion rate for Hendon hooker 57.1 for Braxton Burmeister Quincy Patterson only had 10 attempts, but he was 70% Knox Kadum had six and he was four for six. So 66%. Leading rushers. All right, this. I want you to guess who the second leading rusher is for Virginia Tech. Um, geez, I, I mean, I guess I would guess black. Uh, probably Burmeister. I guess it was Hooker. Dang. A lot of third and six runs. Third and yeah. six runs. Um, he had 620 yards on the ground. Blackshear only had 255 yards. He didn't have the year a lot of people thought he would. That's also because Khalil Herbert emerged. But hopefully Blackshear can kind of get going. Jalen Holston finished with 189 yards, which I thought he would have had a lot more. Just looking at the stats, Burmeister 182, Quincy Patterson 67, Trey Turner 60, mostly on jet sweeps because that was nine attempts for 60 yards. Tavion Robinson 48, and pretty much everyone else is. James Mitchell was had one rushing attempt for a yard and a touchdown. Oh yeah, <laughs> in the Carolina game. Really. Yeah. In the Carolina game. Receiving, Robinson was the leading receiver. James Mitchell was the third leading receiver. Trey Turner had 529 yards, so he was right on Robinson's tail. James Mitchell, 435, and after that, it's mostly running backs. Herbert Blackshear, Caleb Smith only had 88, but I don't, I don't really know what happened with Caleb Smith at the end of the season. He wasn't, he wasn't around much. Yeah, he got hurt, um, I guess. I don't Yeah. I never... Nick Gallo had 83 reception yards. Jalen Holston, 58. Drake Dulius, the third string tight end, 30. And this one I thought easily would have had more, but Chenga Hodge had 25. He was targeted a lot towards the end of the season, actually, but he only had 25 yards. Evan Ferris, 18, and Hendon Hooker, 16. What game did he have the throwback to? Someone threw back to him. I have the play in my head, but I can't remember what game it was. Which one was it? The What play was it? Had, uh, someone threw back to Travion, uh, Travion, Tavion Robinson threw back to Hendon Hooker on a play. I don't um, know. Unless it was, it was early in the year. Carolina, maybe? I think that's right. Yeah, it was Carolina. It was Carolina. Um, Brian Johnson, no one's talking about it. He had a fantastic year for Virginia Tech. 100% on extra points. 20 for 26 on field goals. 
but I think majority of those he missed were 50 plus. He missed 142 in Wake in the Wake Forest game and 39 in the Pitt game, but everything else he was he was pretty solid on. Oscar Bradburn kind of had an underwhelming year for Virginia Tech for what yeah, some thought he of. Um, he had a hamstring issue. That's why he didn't play against UVA. Tackle wise, Shamari easily had the most. He had 60 solo tackles, made 81 total. Rayshard Ashby had 69. Tisdell, 59. Diablo, 55. Devin Taylor, 55. Dax, 52. Amari Barno, which shocks me, is this low, 43. Breon Murray, 36. Chapman, 32. Jared Hewitt, Hewitt, 31. Justice Reed, who after NC State and Louisville, we didn't hear much from, 29. Darrell Pollard, 28. Tyler Matheny, 22. Dorian Strong, 22. Mario Kendrick's 14, and after that, it's just no disrespect, but garbage time tackles. Mm-hmm. So um, that's pretty much it for statistics, player-wise. Team-wise, it's refreshing for me. They averaged 31 point, 31.1 points per game, which should be better. Should When you average that amount of points a game, probably should be a little bit better than 5 and 6. Um Sorry, what did you say? I said um, probably should be a little bit better than five and six when you average thirty-one point one yeah. points a game. Yeah, that's a uh, that's pretty high. Well, Rushing wise, there. Go yeah. ahead. Yeah, I mean, we definitely what we put up thirty-eight or forty against Duke. Put up for at forty plus against Carolina, thirty-six against UVA. Right, so. Yeah, I mean, but like 14 against Pitt, yeah. um, 24 against Miami. We were, we were lacking for scoring offensively later in the season. But yeah. that's that's pretty much all the notable team stats. One thing we didn't do a lot of this year, I mean, we had some games, is we actually didn't turn the ball over that that much. Um, we had a game – well, we had turnover, turnover ratio was three, and we lost eight fumbles this year. But a lot of that, like we turned the ball over three times in the Clemson game. You may be able to remember a little bit better, but we we had some games where when we turn the ball over is multiple times in a game. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I mean when you don't when you don't turn the ball over, you always have a chance to win. But yeah, all right, into transfers now because we're going a little long. Hendon Hooker is leaving. Uh, not a huge surprise. Braxton Burmeister seems to be the guy going forward. Um, you got Taj Bullock coming coming in. We'll talk about that in signing day. Knox Kadem still around, obviously. I would think they'll add someone in the transfer portal. I don't expect it to be like a Charlie Brewer, but um Hendon Hooker's gone. Doug Nestor, Brian Hudson, those are the two that really hurt on the offensive oh, line. They're George, gone. God. Yeah, those those ones hurt. Pretty much everyone. Pretty much, I'm trying to go through in my head. Pretty much everyone in my head right now. Other than those two, would not have necessarily played next year. Um, am I missing anyone? I mean, Darisaw's going to the draft. Uh, no, I don't think so. I mean, um, no, I think you got Monty Chapman kind of trolled some yeah. fans on Twitter oh, saying they. <laughs> but um, I'm going through my head. Any more transfers that I missed? Because I feel like there's some other ones. I mean, I think there's a few more, but there are guys that were walk-ons and guys that were not playing but the the offensive linemen are the two killers and then you also lose Darius Haas so we're losing 
three of our better offensive linemen. I mean, we got Lasita Smith and hopefully Brock Hoffman coming back next year. James Mitchell probably leaves. But Hendon Hooker's gone now. Clears away for Braxton Burmeister at this point. So if I had to ask you, do you think Braxton Burmeister is the guy going, like is the guy going forward, like can succeed and has the ability to do so at Virginia Tech going forward? I mean, um, I we've seen he can succeed. I question if he's the guy. I mean, he only has one year left right now. Well, I guess he has well, two with the, the yeah. Account, but I would assume that he's kind of this is this upcoming year will be his last year. But I mean, because he's a redshirt guy too, yeah. so that means he'd be here for six years. It's hard to call him the guy because it seems like we kind of ran a goofy offense when he played. Just you know, like a lot of running and stuff, and he doesn't seem to have the the arm like the, you know deep down for right. the game. But yeah, I mean, we can win with him next year. I just that's probably only gonna be seven or eight games, I would say. Yeah, so he played. He played well against CVA. Obviously, he had a heck of a game against CVA. My concern with him, and I don't think a lot of people are talking about this, but I'm concerned he can't stay healthy. Um, yeah, he got hurt against NC State. I mean, obviously, the someone stepping on his toes is a fluke thing. So he would have played a lot. We would have seen him a lot more if that hadn't happened. I would presume um, he got hurt at Oregon, which upped him to leave, you know? So I, I hope he can stay healthy. I think if he can get better throwing the ball, hopefully spring practice helps. That'll help going forward. Um, I mean, he's not the one thing that he lacks and I think he's a very good quarterback and I think he can, I think he's a great, he's great at running the ball Passing necessarily isn't his strength, but he definitely played well against UVA and even Clemson. The pass to Tavion Robinson was a beauty. So I mean, it, it, he can throw the ball if, if if he's at his best. But the one thing that I saw someone else talking about it, but the fade ball is where he kind of lacks. I forget who he threw it to at the end of the game, but he threw a fade at the end of the UVA game that just way out of bounds. And that even yeah. I mean, Ryan Willis was great at throwing the fade. Yeah, um, and even Hendon Hooker. But so maybe they'll use that and work with him this offseason. But obviously the coaching staff has complete confidence if they're just I mean, not that they have a ton of control, but if they're just gonna let Hooker walk, they obviously have a lot of confidence because Hendon Hooker was six and two as a starter um the year prior, and he was he was very, very good last year. Um uh, this year, like we said, he didn't take the steps that I thought he would. I don't know how much that has to do with what happened prior to the year, something medically was happening with him. Um but I mean, I hope he can do well somewhere. Like I can see him go to a a middle a middle tier Big Ten, lower Power Five, high American type of school and succeed. I mean, what what do you think about that? Where do you see him going up, or I mean, where do you see him ending up? Like not necessarily a school, but what type of? I don't where do you know. See him? I, I mean, he can obviously compete on the ACC level. I I wouldn't surprise me if he ended up at a school like NCAT, though, where his dad went and play football there his brother's um, there too yeah brother's there too yeah. oh yeah you're right um what's his name austin? austin austin hooker yeah um i mean i don't know i i could also see him at a school like ecu or app state or something yeah he would do well there but i think he'll have a lot of good open choices i mean i i, I would assume he's in high demand he's got a good you know big body good arm so 
Yeah, I could see him going to school. I forget what year Desmond Ritter is at Cincinnati, but I could see him going to school in the group of five that it's been very successful and their quarterback is leaving to graduation. He comes in there and keeps it going. Mm-hmm. Um, I could see that happening. I'm trying to think, I mean, I'm going through some scenarios in my head for him. App State is actually kind of a good good place he could be. I mean, he's from Greensboro. It's it not too, too far. Brain, so he's got it. Yeah. True, true. Um, true. Um, I mean, but hopefully he can get that figured out. I could see him going to not Maryland, but I could see him going to a Maryland type of school, yeah. middle of the pack, Big Ten, Rutgers. It's it's crazy to say Rutgers is in the middle of the pack now, but they are. And the Big Ten is just horrible this year. Like a Rutgers Purdue type of school. Mm-hmm. I could see him going somewhere like that. I, I think he could maybe do well there, but yeah. But no, just a lot of topics. I mean, that's we went a little long there. We well, we definitely went a little long there, but um, a lot of topics with to the board. Yeah, a lot of catch up on, like you said. And last weekend, we recorded at an unfortunate time. With, I mean, we can't help that. But we recorded on, I guess, Tuesday afternoon, and a lot of that news broke on Wednesday. Justin Fuentes coming back for a sixth season. I actually thought he was very good in his press conference on Wednesday. Yeah, he had a really good press conference. I'll give him that. Yeah, I think he had a very good press conference. He was upfront. He was honest. I think this is the first time he kind of recognized, like, hey, I got to do better. Not that he maybe didn't before, but he has not really said anything like that before. But he was upfront. He was honest. And I think a lot of people forgot that because immediately as the press conference clicked off, Hudson and um, um, Nestor were in the portal. So, yeah, so, but I think he had a pretty good press conference. He's coming back next year. We'll talk about it with Mike Nislik in a minute, so we won't get get too much into it. But 2021 is a pivotal year for Justin Fuente. It's Virginia Tech is trekking into the territory of they're going to be evaluated every single game for just Justin Fuente will be evaluated and under a microscope every single game. They're not going to be able to get off to a slow start. They got some winnable games next year. They got Syracuse here. That's the best crossover you could ask for. They got Syracuse here. West Virginia would be a game you like to win. I know the Hokies have been in talks to open up with an ACC school next year. You'd like to win that game. They need a good start next year. Um, we won't go through the whole s- schedule right now because there's literally no point in projecting next year at this point with the roster, and we don't know what transfers are coming in. Um, before we move on to Mike, quick thing with transfers – the one thing, though, with Virginia Tech, leave, with guys leaving, is they're bringing a whole lot of guys in the last few years that have filled in transfer-wise. I mean, Khalil Herbert, obviously. Blackshear's still early. He can do well. Brock Hoffman, Chinga Hodge, I still got faith in. Justice Reed this year. I mean, you can go on and on. Burmeister. So they've really done well in the transfer portal bringing guys in, and I think they'll rely on that a lot this year. Yeah, I mean, it's disappointing that – we keep having to like, you know, it seems like there's not much consistency with because we've struggled in, you know, high school recruiting so bad. But we've definitely found some good, you know, football players out of the transfer portal that come here for a year or two and succeed. So, I mean, we're going to so, find some more this year. Yeah. So as I'm scrolling through Twitter right now, um, <laughs> we'll pick it when we get to our bowl picks. But Liberty and Coastal Carolina are playing in the Cure Bowl. Yeah. So that will be that will be a fun one. People are gonna be very excited about that one for sure. I think people are yeah, that'll be good. Much, yeah, that will. But like we said, a lot we just covered there, but it was definitely necessarily 
necessarily. It was definitely necessary, and we needed to pack in a lot from last week. So this was, like I said, first podcast. We didn't have any games to recap. could really sit down and just talk all the topics with Virginia Tech football. But it's going to be a long podcast, but thanks for buckling up with us and um, join the ride. But Mike Nizelik from the Roanoke Times, who covers Virginia Tech football, he's hopping on with us in a minute. Continuing this conversation, you're listening to the Goblin Up podcast presented by Duncan Mazda in Blacksburg. All right, and now Mike Nizelik, Virginia Tech beat writer from the Run of Times, is going to come on to help kind of continue our talk of Virginia Tech football's 2020 season. Mike, thanks for stopping by and helping talk Virginia Tech football. Yeah, anytime, Carter. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, yes. Yeah. So uh, the, one of the first questions I have for you is something that a lot of Hokie fans are wondering out there, but if you could use one word to describe the 2020 football season for Virginia Tech, how would you describe it? Well, uh, inconsistent, I think, and that's what uh, Justin Fuente said uh, last week when he was kind of talking about the season. You know, they showed, you know, the team that beat NC State at the start of the year uh, was not on the field, you know, a couple weeks later against Wake Forest. And then, you know, you, you had that offensive explosion against Louisville, uh, and then, you know, you just can't do anything against Pitt. So, I think it was just it was just up and down. I mean, there were highlights, I think, certainly. Um you know, didn't bottom out, and I think that's part of the reason why uh, Fuente was retained. You know, this was a team that fought until the end, but at the same time, there were some frustrations. You know, I, I just don't think um, the offense uh, is, um, I think, talented as the offensive line was and as good as Khalil Herbert was, um, ever kind of felt like it could score at will like it should have, you know, after that first couple of weeks. Um, and then the defense, um you know, there were a lot of things that went into that with, you know, no off season, no spring, no fall, uh, or a really impacted fall. Uh, the defense just never really found its footing, I think, until the last week of the season when, you know, they played probably their best game against Virginia. Um, so very up and down, very inconsistent. Absolutely. And I kind of want to touch, touch on Khalil Herbert. You know, obviously he was only around for one year, but how would you describe his 2020 season? Should he be considered one of the better running backs in Virginia Tech football history, even though he was only here for one season? Well, I think his, his, his season will be up there, you know, top five, top top four. I think he was uh, finished uh, fourth all-time in terms of total yardage from, from scrimmage, you know, with the, uh, the kick returns and things like that. Um, obviously a capable receiver out of the backfield. Um, I'm not sure his career will get put up against the likes of David Wilson or Kevin Jones just because they were here a little longer. Um, but I think fans will finally remember Herbert. Um, you know, he was really impressive. And, it, you know, it's a shame that he did get hurt there uh, for that Liberty game. That hamstring injury kind of slowed him down for about two to three weeks. Because I, I don't think that would have been a loss if he was on the field. And I think Miami would have been a different game as well. Um, just a shame he wasn't able to do that. You know, running backs have a real hard go, you know, to try to stay healthy the entire season. He was he was really, really good for, what, eight out of those 11 weeks. Um, and, you know, quite the fine in the transfer portal. And he kind of scratch your head. Why didn't he have more success at Kansas? You know, he showed glimpses of that. They just never found a consistent role. That's baffling because he was, as advertised, you know, the staff loved him coming in, so they got great reviews of him uh, as, a, as a player and as a person, and he stepped in and, and really, um, uh, you know, found found a role on this team and, and was one of their better players. Right, and kind of sticking on the player front, I want to ask you kind of a two-part question, but 
who was your biggest surprise for Virginia Tech in 2020? And who did you think would maybe have a bigger impact that ne- that didn't necessarily? Well, I think Amari Pardo, you look there, and, and maybe Dorian Strong are kind of two uh, biggest surprises. You know, Pardo moves positions a month before the season, or, you know, kind of at the start of fall camp, gets hurt, doesn't even get much practice time, and that is probably, you know, one of the most consistent pass rushers that, that they had. I think he probably had a better season than Justice Reed even, and, and that's a shock, you know, just considering how little. You know, this wasn't a guy that really played defensive end even throughout his career. You know, was moved around. Actually, was a safety in high school, uh, was an outside linebacker, um, you know, defensive tackle to start out with, so, but never played defensive end and, and really found – um, his footing quickly and was really effective. His size, you know, I think you're going to be looking at him as kind of the player to watch, kind of even going into next season. And then Strong, you know, uh, with Jermaine Waller's sideline and some of the issues they had in the secondary, this kid, very, you know, little recruited out of high school. You know, Virginia Tech kind of identified him early and got a quick commitment, and he stayed the course and, and came out of nowhere. And I, and I think was was really effective as a true freshman. You know, it wasn't a perfect season, uh, but it could have been much worse without Jermaine Waller in there because, you know, he was a all ACC caliber type of player. But uh, Dorian Strong, I think, uh, really held his own. And um, disappointing. Uh, that's tough. You know, I think the quarterback situation uh, was just weird. And I, I felt like they didn't, um, neither quarterback, you know, it, it played consistently throughout the year. And I think I was disappointed just with, I'm sure it's, it's Hennon Hooker's fault, but I just didn't think he developed or showed as much development as I thought he would kind of in the passing game. Um, and, you know, he had a weird offseason. Obviously, he got COVID and then sidelined with some of the medical testing that, that he had and then they had the weird end of the season and he just felt like you know goes six and two as a start or six and was it six and one last year six and two six and two and, yes 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 yeah six and two and he just kind of felt like i don't know they could put it together and, and really um be a special offense and i just think they fell short you know he had some nice moments some good games but just didn't feel like they reached the heights i thought they could have with him and, and maybe that's not a disappointment in him Specifically, uh, you know, I think the coaching staff. You know, I asked about that after the season. They were happy with the development of the quarterbacks, and I just didn't feel like the last couple of years. You know, that year two for guys. You know, you look at Ryan Willis. You know, I haven't taken a step forward, and I think that's been a disappointment for for the fans too. Where this offense should be better than than it is. Sure, and I'll kind of stick on that same front. But um, what do you make of? No, I think a lot of people talk about Virginia Tech has transfer issues, and I think some of the counter-argument is bringing in a guy like Khalil Herbert, Blackshear, you know, you can go on so on and so forth. But um, what do you make of guys like, you know, Brian Hudson, Doug Nestor leaving, Hendon Hooker maybe more of a playing time thing, but in your opinion, what do you think is, you know, kind of going on there with transfer-wise? Yeah, so, I mean, it's separated, you know, before – this this month, you, know, you would have traded everybody that transferred, and there were a lot of players. Like it was like twenty eight for one Khalil Herbert. <laughs> you know, it's like that they would have made that trade, and nobody really has gone on to have much success. Uh, you know, the group of players that had went into the transfer portal since October twenty eighteen. Um, you know, they found Herbert, Rock Hoffman. You know, those two alone. Um, have been you know better than anybody they've lost, and you kind of say, "Well, I'll take that trade." Now this month, you know, Doug, losing Doug Nestor and a guy like Brian Hudson—that's tough. You know, these were starters; these are guys that are capable of starting. 
um, and you know, I think had a very high ceiling, especially Nestor. Uh, you know, losing Terrace out of the draft, I think he could have plunked in Nestor at tackle, um, and he would have been very good. Obviously, Brian Upton could have been, you know, anywhere on the interior of the line. So that's tough. And Hooker, you know, obviously, I think you understand it. You know, with the quarterback playing time, and then you lose Quincy Patterson on top of it. You know, obviously, playing time is a factor. We're not really sure what kind of happened with Nestor Hudson, but I think it's fair that there's a perception here um, that the, that something's going on when these conversations happen, something's going on in the locker room where, you know, there are more transfers than I think if you then you look around in the ACC in terms of scholarship players. You know, and I think Virginia Tech will say maybe it's closer to even, but, I mean, you know, you can't count walk-ons and things that go into the portal from other teams. I think, you know, publicly right now, Virginia Tech has looked at it as, as a team that can't hold on to its players. And that's not good. Um, you know, you want to be able to develop your own guys and be able to count on them. And I think, um, you know, there's going to be more here in the next couple of weeks, certainly. Um, and, you know, that they can withstand some of it because they will get a few seniors back to that extra year of eligibility. Um, but, you know, you can't lose guys like a, a Doug Nestor and Brian Hudson and replace them easily and be successful. It's, it's very, very hard. And so I think it's a, a major question mark. You know, I think everybody's going to have transfer problems, um, and, and Virginia Tech's going to go into that transfer portal and try to find talents as well. Um, but I think the perception from the last three years has added up, and it just, you know, it, it looks like there's a problem, even though talent-wise they've done well to replace, you know, that they take the trade-offs that they've made. Right, absolutely. And one more question on the player front before we kind of move into a few for next year. Um, but, you know, Hendon Hooker is gone now. Do you think Braxton Burmeister really is the guy going forward? And do you think the coaching staff believes that going forward? Well, you know, the, the coaching staff really likes Braxton. That's why I think he was part of the mix at the start of the season when I think he surprised some people that and they really love his athleticism. They really like what he brings. Um, you know, as a, as a playmaker, I think he could use some work in the passing game. I think downfield, he's not very effective. Resin showed he's very effective, and it was a small sample size this year. Um, but I think that needs to improve for teams. You know, teams will load up a box eventually and try to take away his running ability if he can't get, you know, 20 yards downfield. Um, if he wants to come back, and, and I think, um, you know, with Hendon gone, you know, you, you probably would have lost one of them. With Hendon leaving so quickly, you know, I'd be surprised what situation would Braxton find that would be better. I'm not sure. Um, I think the coaching staff will certainly roll with them. I think, you know, obviously Knox will get a look, and, and Taj Bullock, you know, coming in, he's not rolling to the summer, uh, true freshman, um, will be in the mix just to, you know, take a look at everybody because that's how this, this coaching staff has done it. Um, now I can see them going to the transfer portal to look for another veteran just with some more experience just to provide a backup. You know, this team's had really issues keeping guys healthy uh, the last couple of years, you know, uh, Hendon Smith missed a game, missed another game game last year, and you can see uh, they needed all their quarterbacks this year. So um, you can't have too many, but it is hard when you have guys that are competing for the starting job and can win it. So I think if uh, Braxton stays, he's, he'll certainly be uh, penciled in as the number one on the depth chart. Um, but I, I think he has some work to do, and I, and I think he would admit that as well. Sure, and kind of moving into going forward towards you know the moment right now, uh, obviously, Virginia Tech, and it's still up to for debate, has the longest active bowl streak in college football at 27. As, by debate, I mean just with opting out this year. But um, 
did that surprise you that, that they opted out of a bowl game? And if so, why and vice versa? A little bit, just because I, I, I thought that streak meant to the program. I guess the way they voted on it was the seniors voted. I'd have been interested to see if the whole team, if the vote would have been the same. Um, I think there were a lot of players that wanted to play. Um, and, you know, just the vote didn't work out. Um, having said that, you know, the game would have been likely after Christmas. And I get why they would have wanted to go home. You know, this has been a long, trying season. A lot of players probably haven't seen their family since, uh, what, June? Um, so, you know, I get it. It's, it's been sort of three tests a week, all sorts of hoops. You know, you got to stay in your room, basically, and just kind of avoid the outside. That's really tough. And with classes online, there's no reason to be here for the next kind of month, month and a half until they I come back in January for the start of uh, the spring or the winter conditioning program. Um, I, I get it. I, I don't think any fans should say, oh, you know, this is a unique year. And, you know, I think fans will be a little disappointed that the ball streak ended. But, I mean, this is not – it's not – it didn't end on the field. It ended because of the, the pandemic. So, um, you know, I, I get it. And then I think the players, you know, had the right to decide. And that's what – uh, Coach Flinton left up to them. He didn't kind of stick his opinion in, um, and, the, and the coaching staff just sort of left it up to them. And, and I think, you know, as you've seen, there's been a wave of teams that have made the same decision. Virginia Tech is, is far from alone. You know, this wasn't a team quitting or anything like this. You know, lots of teams are doing this. Lots of high-profile teams are doing this. Um, and and uh, it makes sense. Right, and yeah, a lot of high-profile teams, Penn State, USC, Minnesota, I could go on and on, but right, exactly, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, all right, two more questions for you for next season. Uh, Justin Fuentes coming back for a sixth year. I think a lot of people are scared now that Virginia Tech is under the microscope of he's going to be evaluated game by game. What does Justin Fuente have to do next season to, I guess, kind of rally this fan base back, kind of? you know, elevate his job security a little bit. Yeah, you know, uh, we'll, we'll see how the schedule shakes out. You know, they're going to probably open with an ACC game, I believe, next year. Then they have West Virginia uh, week three early in the season. Um, and, and Notre Dame early. And so, uh, you know, you can't open with like a two and three start. You know, you, I think you're going to have to win your ACC opener. I think you want to win that West Virginia game. To build some confidence, because you know Notre Dame, obviously a playoff team, uh, as was announced today, is going to be tough to beat. And I don't, you know, losing Notre Dame, always going to say you should get tired, especially if you you're, you're clean up the rest of your schedule. I think they need to win those in between games. You know, games like this year, you lose to Wake Forest, you lose to Pitt. Those are games. I think next year you're going to have to win, even though I think it's not. You know, this team is going to lose some talent, and, and you know, I don't know. What the projection will be, but I think they'll be project, it's projected to be kind of the middle of the league. But I think they have to surprise some people and, and um, kind of overperform since they've kind of underperformed two of the last three years. Um, you know, I, I think he needs to try to take the heat off and get some wins early um, just to try to make the season comfortable. And even if they have to do some rebuilding and, and there's some growing pains, um, you can point to some progress. You know, um, you know I don't think. I, you know, if they win eight games next year, I think you'd be okay. Um, but if it's another season where you're facing a losing record or you're getting blown out late in the season by a Pittsburgh-type team, 
you know, it's going to be hard. And so, um, Witt has said, you know, there's no sort of magic number in terms of wins or, you know, no specific criteria that automatically would you know, be okay or he wouldn't. But at the same time, I think this team needs to, to, to play well against teams that are at their level. You know, I think it's going to be tough. You know, Notre Dame's, Miami, um, you know, it's just it, it's going to be hard. I think with the team that they have coming back, but you know, you have a good crossover opponent in Syracuse. That's a game you should win handily. You know, you got to at home especially. So, um, you know, I think you have to win the games that that are like that, and and win them convincingly to a point where you can show that you know it's a little bit different than it was in the last couple of years where you kind of struggled in some of those games. Right, and last question for you. I know you kind of somewhat meant you somewhat answered this question when you said that they're going to be middle of the pack. But what would your way too early um, expectations or predictions be for next season? Yeah, it's hard. I, I, you know, I think it could go a number of ways, especially with some of the roster decisions that still have to be made. You know, uh, yeah, one guy I was kind of thinking about, a couple guys. You know, you lose James Mitchell or Brock Hoffman in the NFL. Um, and this offense looks a lot different. Um, you know, those if those guys come back, I think you, you have the building blocks, right? You have Luke Tenuta, you have Lucia Smith, Brock up front, and then, you know, offensively, you can keep Trey and James and Tavion. you got a pretty good set of weapons. Um, you know, I think you need to figure out running back. Um, but, but, you know, I think that's a team that could compete. But, you know, you lose a couple of those guys, uh, you're, you're, I, you're, <laughs> I don't think they can make those losses up. Um, you know, some of the guys that have left, I, I think, you know, Harvard obviously is a guy you'd have loved to come back, but I mean, he just wasn't, he had too good of a season. So, um, so far there's been, you know, very few surprises, but I think, you know, how this roster looks, I, I think, you know, for his sake, you know, eight wins is kind of what you probably circle and you got a target to try to get to. Um, and I think this team, if they get some of those guys back, you know, Jermaine Waller's supposed to be back as well. Eight wins is not out of the realm of possibility. Um, and it should be, you know, highly fair. Um, anything above that, I think, would be tough. Anything below that, I think we're kind of going to have deja vu next December 15th where fans are talking about that buyout again. But, um, yeah, probably a couple of weeks before we can kind of make any sort of solid predictions. You know, I think this roster still is taking shape. I think we'll be looking at the transfer portal as well. So, um, you know, there could be upside there, too. I mean, if you, they find a guy has a resume like a Khalil Herbert or one one or two guys in certain positions, maybe you do say, well, this is a, is a solid win team, not just to kind of, you hope to get there. So, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. And I think a lot of roster decisions have to be made before I feel comfortable making a prediction. One way or the other. Could go either way, I think. Absolutely, yeah. Maybe something to get back to you in a month. But that's... um. Sure. That's Mike, that's Mike Nislick, who writes for the Renwick Times covering Virginia Tech football. You're in like the 5-4 area of Richmond. The Renwick Times, do they cover Lynchburg too? Lynchburg? Yeah, our, yeah, our star coverage is kind of syndicated up there and all over the lead papers and stuff around the state. So yeah, all over. Absolutely, yeah. So if you're in Virginia Tech's backyard, make sure to check out his coverage. Uh, Mike, thanks so much for stopping by and helping talk Virginia Tech football. Big thanks to Mike Nizelik from the Reddit Times who helped come on and talk about Virginia, Virginia Tech's 2020 football season and the decision for Virginia Tech to not play in a bowl game, as well as transfers, all that jazz. You know, you know, we just covered it all. 
action-packed podcast, but it's going to keep rolling. Last week, we talked about National Signing Day. Just talked about some standouts with Mike McDaniel, but it turns out a lot of people signed that we didn't expect to, and there are some people that flipped. So right now, I'm going to name off all 25 guys that signed with Virginia Tech this past Wednesday, so last week, and then we'll give kind of our standouts um, before we move into some hooky hoop stock. All right, first one, running back, running back Chance Black out of Roebuck, South Carolina. Um, I don't have the stars on me, but I think he, I believe he's a three star. Um, Taj, three stars, but yeah, yeah, I think, yeah, I think they're, yeah, 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 you're right. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. All right. All three stars. Chance Black running back from Roebuck, South Carolina. Taj Bullock is the one that I think a lot of Hokie fans will look at based on the quarterback situation now. Quarterback from Jersey City, New Jersey was kind of back and forth with Tech and Rutgers. He ends up coming to Blacksburg. Matthias Carroll, who is from Baltimore, a defensive lineman that a lot of people are high on. Um, Yeah, he's got the body. He does have the body. I I, I want to kind of say one quick thing about this class is I know it's not as high as people want it to be, but I think it's a I think it's pretty underrated. Um, and a lot of these guys, keep in mind, didn't have a season, so their ratings haven't changed from years past. That's that's something I would tell people. Yeah. Um, while it is a weak recruiting class to Virginia to Virginia Tech standards, I think Virginia Tech certainly is reeled in some quality players in this class. Kenji Christian. Running back from Penson, Alabama, he committed this summer. I remember he had some, I believe he had like Ole Miss and South Carolina in his top five. He had a pretty good top five. I think Florida Atlantic was in there. They were the one group of five, if I'm remembering correctly. But I I read an article um, about him, and I did an interview with him on fifth quarter. So um, do you remember him? Sean Elder, um, Watkinsville, Georgia, defensive back. He's a Fork Union Military Academy guy. Is he, and I guess if you have any comments, we can just go through um, and you can name them off. Yeah, is he, right yeah, yeah. Is he a toot, a toot, how do you pronounce that? A, a toot, a toot, yeah. I'm not, he's from Virginia, Virginia Beach, yeah. He's from yeah. Cox, yeah. Cox High School. Um, so they do have a guy from the 757 that comes in. Um, I know there's they've been struggling there. Dre Bly from North Carolina has been lighting up that area, so they do get someone from the 757 in. In the form of Izzy Atute. Again, I apologize if I pronounced his name wrong. Jared Gibble, tight end from Winston Salem. I did an interview with him as well. He flipped from Charlotte. I did a lot of recruiting um, interviews this summer, so I'm familiar with a lot of these guys. But Jared Gibble uh, from Winston Salem, like I said, flipped from Charlotte. Bryce Goodner, another guy I talked to, offensive lineman. His offer list didn't light it up, but maybe he's a Dorian Strong guy. Athens, Tennessee. He's six three three hundred, so um, he's got he's got the body. Um, I think maybe want him to get a little bit more athletic, but I think he's a true Virgin. He's just a guy who loves Virginia Tech. For someone uh, you know, I talked to, um, and he was he just wanted to be at Virginia Tech. DJ Harvey, who is to many Virginia Tech's prized prospect in this class, um, from Chatsworth, California. Um, I believe that's right out of Los Angeles. So it's kind of that suburb area. Yeah. He's a, it's a back five. Sierra Canyon. Yeah. Which is, I'm pretty sure right outside of LA. Yeah. Yeah. Sierra Can- Cameron high school. Um, Max prep second, all team or second yeah, team. Our, all. He was our highest rated commit. I think he was like a 0.88 or 0.89. Yeah. It's interesting. You don't see many guys come out from California, but 
I mean, Braxton Burmeister, but he was a transfer. But DJ Harvey, um, the guy who's probably, I forget where he's ranked, but a lot of people think he's the second best recruit in this class. Jack Caulfield, Dax's younger brother, Shelby, North Carolina. He's a tight end. Also played some defensive back in high school, but I think a lot of people think he's going to be a stud. He won a North Carolina state title in 2018 and 2019. There's one of those games was at Carter Finley. And is that where they play all those state title? You would know. Is that where they play all those state state title games at NC state? I know they played some in yeah. Carolina. Well, they, they play, we have four classes in North Carolina and it's uh Duke state Carolina and wake forest. But yeah, he won his at NC state. Gotcha. Gotcha. So we have, yeah, we have, we have six here. Um, Blacksburg high school locally is, is four, um, but most of the state titles are played at Liberty in Virginia. Oh. Liberty, Virginia, I think hosts some. Um, JMU, I think, is hosted some. They rarely ever host them at Virginia Tech, which is, I guess, because it's kind of far away from everything. But Elijah Howard, another guy coming in from Tennessee, Chattanooga. He's a running back, 5'11, 182. I haven't looked into him a lot, um, so I should look in more into him. Jalen Hoyle. From Englewood, New Jersey, is a defensive back, six foot one seventy five. Uh, Nike Johnson, did he say it? Nike Johnson, uh-huh. defensive uh, defensive back from Florence, South Carolina. Will Johnson, linebacker from Leonardtown, Maryland. Jalen Jones, a wide receiver from Richmond, Virginia. Is he the? Is he the two star they just flipped? The, they they just committed the other day. No, from Richmond. Chris Sims. Yeah. Right. 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 Okay. 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 Um, Jaden Keller, Bristol, Tennessee, about two hours down the road from Tennessee High School. Bristol has Virginia High School and Tennessee High School. It's a huge rivalry. Um, obviously, half of Bristol's in Virginia, half of it's in Tennessee. So they he played at Tennessee High School, and that's about two hours down the road. Kelly Lawson, which we talked about with Mike McDaniel last week, is a guy I think a lot of people like, a linebacker from Stephen City, Virginia, which is Sharando High School, which um, – Paul knows some people from there. Um, Sharando High School? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, So Sharando, so Northern Virginia. Dwayne Lofton is another guy I talked to. A lot of people thought he was going to flip to TCU. He's from Fort Worth, Texas, a wide receiver, 5'2", 175. Desmond Mamoudi. Oh, Lord, help me. I think I said that. I don't know a ton about him. Defensive lineman from Tampa, Florida. Oh, gosh. I'm not going to pronounce his name right. Uh, The kid from Germany. Do you know his I do not, yeah. Um, Denaiji Matala. Oh, I'm not even going to say it, but he's a, a pretty highly recruited guy from Germany, offensive lineman that I think a lot of people have touted, and I think uh, people are pretty excited about getting him here. Christian Moss, a wide receiver from Kennesaw, Georgia, 6'3", 180. Cole Nelson, I talked to him as well. I think a lot of people are very high on him. Alpharetta, Georgia, defensive lineman, 6'3", 230. So if you've noticed a trend, a lot of these new recruits are from Tennessee and Georgia, which you haven't seen a ton of guys from Tennessee come over to Virginia Tech either. And Georgia, they've dipped into a little bit. Jalen Stroman, yes, the older brother, or the younger brother of Greg Stroman, former Virginia Tech stud, last great punt returner we've had here, and now on the Washington football team. I've done a few interviews with Greg Stroman, but I've never talked to Jalen. Um, he's from Knoxville, Virginia, which is – um, Northern Virginia near DC defensive back six one one ninety from Patriot high school. Malachi Thomas is another guy I talked to Hartwell, Georgia, another Georgia guy. He's, I think in my opinion, he's one of the more underrated guys in this class, six foot one eighty. and DJ Sims, 
wide receiver, 6'3", 190 from Christ Church, Virginia, which is basically Richmond. Um, and that'll do it for the 25 guys in the early signing period for the Virginia Tech's class of 2021. A guy that really stands out to me that you know, we talked about for a minute, I think a lot of Hokie fans, because he's a quarterbacker, they're going to look out to is, is Taj Bullock, um, the guy who replaced Demetrius Davis in this class. He may be very well coming in as the third-string quarterback, potentially even the backup. We don't know. Um, I think Virginia Tech may try to redshirt him next year, but we'll see. What are your thoughts on this this class as we move towards 2021? I mean, ratings-wise, it's not very pretty, but it seems like you know we got some athletes and uh, got some dudes from the state of Virginia, so that's good. Hopefully, you know, Todd Bullock turns out to be the quarterback of the future for Tech. He's, like I said, I mean, he's got a good body. He's a tall guy and stuff. Uh, Kenji Christian looks like I've watched some of his stuff. Um, he won a state championship, I'm pretty sure, in Alabama this past year. But Kenji pretty, Christian? Yeah. Let me um... – He looks pretty explosive on offense. And then uh, Mathis Carroll and – DJ Harvey are definitely the two guys I'm most excited about on defense. But yeah, yeah I mean, yeah, it says um, Kenji Christian played at Pinson Valley High School in Pinson, Alabama. They won the Alabama 6A state championship with a 23 13 win over number one seed Spanish Fort. Yep. So they did win, they did win a state championship this past year. We got a lot of state champions on this team. The two that I'm really looking out for as well, the top two guys in the class, arguably DJ Harvey and Jack Hollifield. A lot of names are going to be under. A lot of names are going to be um, on both of them, obviously, but Jack because he's Dax's brother and Jalen Stroman because he's Greg's younger brother. I think a lot of people expect, especially for Jalen Stroman, that the Stromans are going to be the next Edmonds, Fuller's group of brothers that come here and, and play really, really well because Greg was a great player here. Dax has been okay. Um, he's not a pro, so that would be a little bit, you know, skewed. But those are guys I'm going to look out for too. And just because of the last name, I think a lot of Hokie Nation is going to be looking out for that too. But do you got any any final thoughts on this class before we move on to Virginia Tech basketball? No, not really. I mean, just trying to hopefully keep get back, getting back into Virginia more and hopefully sign a, a better class next year that's up in the top five of the ACC, to be honest. Right, yeah, and I think that's what a lot of Hokie fans are going to be looking out for um, as we continue to move along with the Justin Fuente era and moving forward as a football program. All right, but on to Hokie hoops. Um, Virginia Tech, we'll start with men's. Um, not much this week. Tonight they will face off against the Longwood Lancers, 8 o'clock on the ACC Network, and then next week they will um, host Miami on December 29th, hoping to get John Ogiaco back for that one. But we'll have more coverage for that one post-Christmas. That'll be our first post-Christmas basketball podcast as we move a little bit more forward towards um, just basketball, solely, solely, solely basketball coverage as we um, move forward. Into 2021, the year 2021. Hopefully, it's a lot better than 2020. Um, so, um, this is kind of our last football podcast, football based podcast, and then we'll move more into men's basketball and women's basketball before spring sports kind of kind of get going and football recruiting. 
all that will kind of still keep going. Football will always be in the conversation, but um, we got some good plans as we move forward into winter sports, basketball season kicks off or tips off conference play and then the spring sports get going. So we got some good stuff. All right. But Virginia tech, for those of you who didn't watch or for you, for those of you who didn't watch because you were maybe watching the ACC championship game or preparing for the SEC championship, or just for watching football in general, Virginia tech Saturday night, absolutely dominated the cop and say Eagles 97 to 57. Um, 40-point win, just absolute dominant fashion. The Hokies had 23-pointers and had eight different players hit a three, which is a fantastic stat. Um, another great game all around by Virginia Tech is, like I talked about, the the host Longwood tonight before they head into conference play. We'll have more coverage about Miami next week post-Christmas. We'll have a preview pod up for that for the Miami game on December 29th. Um, just some quick stats for Virginia Tech. Naheem Aleem led with 18 points. He also tied with Jalen Cullen, who easily had his best game of the season. He's had 18 points. He could not miss from three. Everyone thought he was going to dunk on that one. They had a, he had a breakaway where um, he laid one in, and everyone was going crazy because they thought he was going to dunk. But he was smiling big after that. So happy for him. He's a great guy. 18 points for him. So he's tied for the lead. Uh, for a team lead points wise. And so he finally got going. He's been, been nagged with a foot injury. Keve Luma, 12 points, Hunter Couture, 11, Justin Mutz, nine, Tyrese Radford, five. Um, De- oh, oh, hold on, hold on. Oh, I can't forget about this. I miss him at the bottom. Um, Joe, uh, Joe Bamasil and Darius Maddox finally had their first breakout games for Virginia Tech. They both scored nine points. Darius Maddox could not miss beyond the arc. He's Both those guys are going to be really, really good. I don't know how much playing time they're going to get this year, but they're going to be really, really good. So can't forget about them. They both have nine. Um, like I said, Tyrese Radford has five. Um, uh, lost it right here. Beatty had two. Um, but he had another good defensive game. And that pretty much does it for scoring-wise. Cordell Pemsel, he did not score, but he didn't play much. David, uh, I still can't pronounce his last name. Can you help me out here? Gasson. 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 Yeah. Gasson. Yeah. yeah, yeah, back there. Um, and then Grant Wells and Gil Williamson, the two walk-ons on the team, they were able to get in the game for the last two minutes. Uh, Grant Yates is a Christopher Newport transfer, so the D3 to D1 route, so – David Gusson, thanks for helping me. Um, thanks for helping me, Paul. But very solid game all around for Virginia Tech basketball. They put on an absolute show, dunk contest, three-point contest. Man, they were they were going at it. So it was fun to watch. Did you have a chance to watch the game? I did not. You did not? Well, you missed a good one. But I think we'll have some good ones coming forward to, or going forward too. So hopefully that, hopefully that will be able to happen. All right, on to the women's side. The Hokies were supposed to play Virginia Sunday afternoon, but the Cavaliers had some positive COVID cases, so that game has been postponed. Not Obviously not rooting for them to get COVID, but like I think it's very, very, very funny. Some of the things that Virginia football players said, um, Charles Snowden, I'll quote it, them hallow tweets won't save you. And if you know if they, if they want to play, they should be following the rules. So just double standard a little bit. Virginia basketball, women's basketball, who's pretty horrendous this year, is not able to play. I think they're 0-5. Yeah. But 
the one game the Hokies did play, they dropped actually a fantastic game. I watched on the ACC Network Thursday night. They played Notre Dame. Um, the Irish do win the game. They were 84 to 78. Played against Dara Mabry, the former star player at Virginia Tech. She's now at Notre Dame where her two sisters played. It was a fun game to watch. The Hokies didn't pull it out. They're now 6-1 and one on the season 101 on the ACC. Elizabeth Kitley, 25 points. Georgia Amore, 23. And Asia Shepard, who fouled out 14 points. And that was pretty much all the scoring for Virginia Tech. So, women's basketball. Um, they're off now until January. I think it's third or fourth. I have the schedule up right here. I think it's third or fourth. It'll load for me. I'll be able to tell you. But they go to Duke, and that's after New Year's. Yeah, January 3rd, which is a Sunday, they'll go to Durham to face off against the Duke Blue Devils. We'll have more coverage of that going forward, but um, they get to go home for Christmas now, the holidays, and New Year's, so they got a little, they got a, a good little break there. But Virginia Tech women's basketball drops their first game of the season, but they still are very optimistic for a very solid year. So, but good, good day for Virginia Tech men's basketball, and they'll look to continue that against Longwood tonight. Um, they were picked. I can't remember, maybe ninth in the Big South. That's off the top of my head. They lost to Division Three Greensboro College. They're competitive with Wake Forest, but they they should not be a problem for Virginia Tech. And then we'll have a Miami preview like we talked about next week. But coming up next, we are going to be giving our final pick totals for the year, see who won our picks and our hidden gems. And then we will be picking every single bowl game with – and very quickly, we'll try to get through it quickly because I know this is a long podcast. With again, our title sponsor, David Duncan. So he will be coming out to help pick games. You're listening to the Goblin Podcast presented by Duncan Monster. Back here on the Gobble Em Up podcast, presented by Duncan Mazda. It's time to give you our final pick totals of the year. Last week, Lance won our picks. He was 6-3 and three because he picked San Jose State to win the Mountain West, which happened. And Paul and I, Paul was our guest picker last week, went 5-4. and four. So with that, I still win the year for picks. I finished 87-38, and 38, our guest picker, which... David Duncan here, who's going to pick some bowl games. Our title sponsor helped do. Um, they finished second place with a record of 81 and 44. And Lance, you finish with a record of 79 and 46. So I'm sorry that you finished last, but next year you got it. All right. Hopefully. So, yeah. Hopefully. Hopefully. Um, and then Hidden Jim, it came down to the wire. We were tied five to five coming into last week. Let me throw in a sponsor for that. That's presented by Beads by Georgia. You can find her on Instagram at Beads by Georgia. Um, shoot her a DM if you want some jewelry and tell her we sent you and she'll give you free shipping. So I'll throw in that sponsor real quick because we're not picking a hidden gem this week. But you picked Rutgers to cover six and a half and they lost by seven. So that And I picked Stanford to cover the seven against UCLA and they did. So I do win the hidden gem six to five, although none of us had a good year. So I'm not too proud of that one. We would have lost a lot of money, but all right, now it's time for bowl picks. And it kind of hit me. We're recording on Sunday afternoon. 
all the balls pretty much up to December 28th have been announced. So we're going to be picking those as well as the New Year's Six and College Football Playoff. And then for next week's podcast, we will finish off our bowl picks with the bowl games from, I think, December 29th to um, January 2nd. All right, time for bowl picks. All right, let's start off. Myrtle Beach Bowl, I'll bet. Myrtle Beach Bowl, yeah. We'll go through our dates, and then we will go to the college football playoff and New Year's Six. Myrtle Beach Bowl, Conway, South Carolina, Coastal Carolina is hosting this one. I should introduce you first. Oh, that's right. David Duncan, who's our title sponsor for Duncan Mazda, he's coming back on to help oh, guest pick. Oh, great to be here. Great yeah. to be here, guys. Yeah, it's awesome. So Myrtle Beach Bowl, December 21st, 2.30 so this afternoon on ESPN. If you're not working, North Texas and App State, Lance, I'll let you pick first, and then I'll let him go, and then I'll go, and that's the rotation. So, Lance, go ahead. Uh, App State being – I don't know why, but hometown fans and stuff, so App State. Oh, let me tell you about the Myrtle Beach Bowl, gentlemen. Marty Smith and Ryan McGee will be broadcasting. Eric Macklin, too. Eric Macklin. Oh, will and be Eric Macklin. So, hey, I'm going to App State as well. I'm going App State, too. I just, I'm a lot more familiar with App State, so I'm going to go to the Mountaineers. The famous Idaho Potato Bowl. Boise, Idaho on the blue turf. Home of Boise State. That'll be tomorrow, December 22nd, 3.30 on ESPN. Tulane, Andrew Allegretta, who does our um, announcing, that's his team, is playing Nevada, who was pretty successful in the in the Mountain West this year. Lance, go ahead with this pick. Um, Nevada. <laughs> I'm Nevada. It's like a home game. I'm going to go Tulane just because I picked against them all year, and – I'm not going to go against them this time, this time, so Tulane. All right, fun one. This is a fun one. Boca Raton tomorrow night, 7 p.m. on ESPN. UCF and BYU. That's going to be a really fun game. Lance, go ahead. UCF because it's basically at UCF, so UCF. I'm going BYU. I'm going BYU too just because – a few years ago when UCF wanted to finish off, they did. Not that BYU's undefeated, but BYU just had the better season, so I'm going to go them. And what a season they've had. Oh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. So New Orleans, December 23rd, the New Orleans Bowl, I should say, 3.30 on ESPN. I was hoping this one will be Louisiana Louisiana Tech. That will be fun in New Orleans, but Louisiana Tech and Georgia Southern gets denied. Lance, go ahead. Georgia Southern. I'm going to go with Lance with Georgia Southern as well. I'll go Georgia Southern. I know they've had a better season in the Sun Belt. They had that dominant game against Florida Atlantic. I just know that because of Kevin Fielder. So um, Georgia Southern. Speaking of Florida Atlantic, the Montgomery Bowl, this, this should be a fun matchup. Memphis and FAU, 7 p.m. on ESPN, December 23rd. Lance, go ahead. Uh, FAU. I'm going FAU as well. Yeah, FAU, Willie Taggart, right on, right on, Willie Taggart. The New Mexico Bowl, which is being played in Texas. Um, Houston and Hawaii, 3.30 p.m. on ESPN on Christmas Eve. Lance, go ahead. Um, I mean, I guess Houston, I guess. I guess. Oh, Hawaii is one of my favorite places in the world. I'm going with Hawaii. Yeah, so I don't. I don't know much about either one of these teams. Houston has not like played at all this season. I think they're three and four. Hawaii was not expected to get a bowl bid, but here they are. Uh, they put they pulled off that big upset against Nevada. 
um, a couple weeks ago. I believe it was Nevada. Yeah, it was Nevada. They were 4-0. Um, so I'm going to go Hawaii, the Rainbow Warriors, just because I, I like that name. Hawaii on Christmas Eve, they always host oh. that Hawaii Bowl because of COVID. They oh. can't do it this year. But I'm going to go Hawaii. All right, this should be another really, really fun one. These next two should be fun. Christmas Day action, 2.30 on ESPN, the Camellia Bowl, Buffalo and Marshall. Lance, go ahead. Uh, both teams laid eggs in their conference championship games, but I'm going to go Buffalo. I just, their running back's too good. Oh, the Marshall Thunder and Herd. I love that mascot. So. I'm going to go Buffalo, too. Um, Jared Patterson, did. I think he had like 67 yards, something like that, against – Ball State in the MAC championship game. I think Buffalo is going to get revenge. Marshall just has not looked good the last few weeks at all. So, Buffalo. All right. Like I said, another fun one. The Cure Bowl in Orlando. Um, Georgia State played in this game a couple years ago. And I did a project on Georgia State playing in that game. Um, and I interviewed their athletic director. And lo and behold, I got some team merch from Georgia State. Oh, so when they, Yeah, so when they play in their bowl game this year and during the Cure Bowl, I'll be rocking my Georgia State football polo. Um, anyway, Coastal Carolina and Liberty, a game that was Ooh. supposed to be played in the regular season. This is going to be a lot of fun. This is going to be a great game. When is this game again? This is December 26th in Orlando. They have not yet announced the time, time. but it's on ESPN. Um, Coastal big. I... Uh... Yeah, I'm going to go Coastal, but it's going to be a fun game to watch, gentlemen. I think it's going to be Coastal, too. They're going to be angry they didn't get a New Year's sixth berth. The Chanticleers are going to get it done. The Gasparilla Bowl on the 26th is supposed to be the ACC versus the SEC. They have not yet announced who's playing in that game. There's been speculation of South Carolina playing. Who knows if some of these games they haven't announced are even going to get played. So is it the, the moment of this podcast – we don't know who's playing that game, but my gut is that game's not going to be played because that was supposed to be an ACC team, and there's not ACC teams to. They're all opting out. Yeah, they're not. There's not enough teams to play there, so that one's supposed to be the 26. We won't be able to pick that one if it's played. Um, but picking it up, the first responder bowl, Louisiana, fresh off a of Sun Belt cancellation for the the championship Coach game. Champions. Yep, co-champions are playing UTSA, who was supposed to play in the Frisco Bowl this past week. Um, but it was canceled because of COVID issues at SMU. Lance, go ahead. Um, I get Louisiana. Billy Napier. Oh, yeah. Louisiana, Billy Napier. He's a hot name. Yeah. He's going to get her done. Yeah, I'm kinda, I know he turned down Mississippi State last year. I know he was in the mix for South Carolina, and I think maybe Vanderbilt reached out to him this past, this past few weeks, but he, would, he doesn't seem ready to leave. I think um, he's a hot name, and – can't go against the Raging Cajuns. My dad's in graduate school there, so I can't go against the Raging Cajuns. So, first responder bowl. All right, Louisiana. The Lending Tree Bowl. Western Kentucky and Georgia State. I think you know how I'm going in this one, but Lance, go ahead. Uh, Western Kentucky. I, I have no idea. <laughs> I'm with Lance. Western Kentucky. Georgia State. Go Panthers. Go Panthers. Western Kentucky's five and six. They finished the year, I think, winning four in a row, three in a row. That's what I know about them, but Georgia State. The Independence Bowl has not yet been announced as of the moment of this podcast. Independence Bowl got canceled. It did? Okay. Yeah. That doesn't surprise me. Army was supposed to play in that game. Um, Army's had a good season, 9-2. and two. Um, Guaranteed Rate Bowl in Phoenix on the 26th day. announced that one. I bet that gets – yep, I bet that one gets canceled. Um, 
There's no Big Ten teams to play out there. All the middle of the pack Big Ten teams would have played in that game, but there's no one to play. Um, the military ball in the 28th, I bet that one's canceled. It's too. canceled. No, it's, yeah, yeah, I figured. Yeah, so we got pretty much all of them in because all those other ones are going to get canceled. I mean, military ball, I figured once Virginia Tech opted out, there's no way because all those other ACC schools were opting out and there's no American teams to fill that spot. So we got all of them up to December. Wait. Ooh, when's well, the Belk Bowl, by the way? What date the Belk is Bowl. Or now, excuse me. The, the Duke's, Duke's Mayonnaise Bowl. Bowl. December 30th. Actually, since we got all those games, let's just go through right now. Let's pick them all. Let's just pick them all. All right. December 29th, the Cheez-It Bowl, which was in Arizona the past few years. Now it's in Orlando. Miami and Oklahoma State. That's a fun one. We're getting into the nitty-gritty of the bowl games now. I'm glad we could pick it this week. Lance, go ahead. Um, I'll go Miami. I like me a box of Cheez-It, so I'm going with Miami. Um, I'm going to go Oklahoma State. I know they don't have Chuba Hubbard, but Miami, I think after UNC, is going to kind of kind of lay down for the season. So Oklahoma State, the Alamo Bowl, Texas and Colorado. How about the How about the Buffs Ooh. out there? They've had a fantastic year. Only one of two, yeah, only one of two Pac-12 teams being a bowl game. Lance, go ahead. Uh, I just Colorado. I think they'll be more motivated. I'm going with the Huckam Horns on this one. I think uh, Texas. You know, they, they they need to bring it to this game, so I'm going with Texas. I'm going to go Texas, too, yeah. Colorado, I think their magic may have run out in a short season. Tom Herman, I know he's coming back next year, but if they, he loses to Colorado, Ooh. tough Ooh. few weeks ahead you in, think in Austin. He, you think he'll be under a microscope? Absolutely, absolutely. The Dukes-Mayo Bowl. Um, oh. I'm hoping to cover this one in person. We'll see. Wake Forest in Wisconsin, December 30th in Charlotte. Likely – to my understanding, would have been Virginia Tech's destination with all the – I know the military was involved, but Wake goes there. They're playing the Badgers. The Badgers have had a disappointing season. Noon on ESPN. Lance, go ahead. Uh, Wisconsin, they'll just be too physical. You know what? I, I, I like Dave Clawson. He's a great coach. I think Wake Forest, Demon Deeks, it's, uh, that's actually going to be an entertaining game. Um, yeah, I'm not really sure what to do about that game. Um. Both teams have had a lot of cancellations this season. Wake's four and four. Wisconsin's three and three. But they just come off. They just came off a big momentum building win against Wisconsin or against Minnesota, I should say. So I think Wisconsin's going to have the momentum. I'm going to. I think they're going to get it done. The Music City Bowl is Iowa. You can you look this up for us, Lance? Iowa versus an SEC Missouri. team. Missouri. Okay. Okay. We we were recording at just the right time, like mm-hmm. just the right time. Iowa and Missouri in the Music City Bowl, December thirtieth. 4 p.m. on ESPN. Good little slate of bowl games, Lance. Go ahead. Uh, I will. I'm going to go Missouri because they had such a surprising year. First year of that coach. I'm going Missouri. Going with the Tigers. Hmm. I'm going to go Iowa. I think I'm going to go Iowa. Yeah, I think uh, Missouri, didn't they? Missouri? Did Missouri just lose to um, – State. Yeah, they lost to Mississippi State, Was a big, which was a big upset. Um, I was blanking there, but – I always had a really, really solid season, so I'm going to go the Hawkeyes. The Armed Forces Bowl, no no opponents. I assume it's canceled. Can you look that up for me, Lance, real quick? That's December 3rd. Sh- I haven't seen that. It's been canceled. I, yeah, I think it's yeah, it's been canceled. All right. That was supposed to be December 31st. Pretty much any of these ones I have up in my notes, the Dom opponents, I assume, are going to get canceled, and they looks like they are getting canceled. But December 31st, 
The true college football fans are going to love this one. This goes into the Sun Bowl, the Sun Bowl TV slot, 2 p.m. on CBS. Ball State and San Jose State. That's a big. That's I mean, both conference champions. Go ahead, Lance. Uh, Ball State. I will go Ball State. I'm gonna go San Jose State. They got to finish it off. The Spartans got to finish off the the undefeated season. Ball State may have got a little bit lucky beating Buffalo. The Liberty Bowl. I assume they have announced the SEC opponent because they are doing it as of this moment. West Virginia versus. Can you look that up, quick, Lance? Um, yeah. Um. They not announced it yet. They haven't announced an SEC opponent yet. Well, I assume. I'll bet South Carolina. I bet either South Carolina or Mississippi State. Those are the two that are still. West Virginia's winning that either way, then. Yeah, West Virginia. So. Ooh, I'll go with the SEC opponent. The SEC opponent. I'm going to go West Virginia. Whoever they're going to play, I think they're they're going to win that game. This is another one. I guess the SEC. We're probably recording 30 minutes premature for this, but I guess the SEC is going through their stages of announcing the roster opponents. The Texas Bowl, 8 p.m. New Year's Eve. In Houston, TCU versus an SEC opponent. Do you have anyone on that, Lance? I doubt it. Um, I assume Auburn's going to the – oh, they're in the Citrus Bowl. The the ones that we don't have for SEC are the Outback Bowl, the Birmingham Bowl, Texas, and Liberty. Yeah, uh, they haven't announced anything. It's going to be like South Carolina, Mississippi State, Ole Miss, yeah. some, some, some of those schools. They um, haven't announced anything yet. So let's say theoretically, um, Texas or TCU plays Ole Miss in the Texas Bowl. What would your pick be, Lance? TCU. I'm gonna go with Ole Miss. I want to see uh, Coach Kiffin throw a clipboard in the air and run down the side. Yeah, the lane train, lane train. Let's go, Ole Miss. The Birmingham Bowl. Maybe South Carolina goes there. Who knows? But we don't even know either opponent in that one, so that may have been canceled. So we're just not even going to pick that one. Um, we apologize for the scrambling as we're recording, but um, I hope you understand just where, where we're at. Um, the Citrus Bowl, this one is decided. Auburn and Northwestern. Lance, go ahead. Uh, Northwestern. Northwestern. Yeah, Northwestern is going to blow the brace off of Auburn. They don't even have a coach now. The Gator Bowl, NC State is playing Kentucky. Ooh, um, that'll be a fun one, January 2nd, noon on ESPN. Lance, go ahead. NC State. I'm going to go with the Wolfpack as well. I think Charlie Wilds will have that defensive line ready for Kentucky, and I think I think he's got something to prove to Kentucky. Yeah, NC State, they've had a heck of a year for whether you're supposed to be. If they finish this one, if they finish this one off, you're looking at a top-20 team in Raleigh. That was a good year for yeah. NC State Wolfpack. The Outback Bowl, SEC versus at-large is what it's coming up. Do you have any idea on that one, Lance? I do not. They haven't announced anything yet. Well, I would I would be doubtful they cancel that one. But since there's neither opponent ready to play, we can't pick that one. So maybe next week we'll pick the two or three they haven't announced. But as of now, we'll not pick that one. Or we will not pick that one. All right. New Year's Six Bowls in the college football playoff. We're going through the nitty-gritty. Um, now the true nitty gritty, the cotton bowl on December 30th, ESPN, 8 PM, Oklahoma and Florida. Oh, go ahead, Lance. 
Uh, I will go Oklahoma. I think they're playing really good lately. I think that's going to be an entertaining track meet to watch. I'm going to go with Oklahoma. Ooh, ooh, that's tough. Um, yeah, I'm just going to go Oklahoma because they're really starting to hit their strides. I think the disrespect has been real, like absolutely real for Cincinnati, and it's terrible in my opinion. They put Oklahoma over them, but the Sooners have just been playing too well. Well, and the Sooners. They play. They've got a lot of the good memories in Jerry's world. Absolutely, Oklahoma. All right, the Peach Bowl on January first, New Year's Day, Cincinnati and Georgia. Go ahead, Lance. Uh, I'll go Cincinnati just because I think Georgia will have no interest in being there at a noon kickoff. So I'll go Cincy. I'm gonna go opposite. It'll feel like a home game for Georgia. I'm going with Georgia. I think Cincinnati is gonna have something ready to prove. Georgia hasn't played in a few weeks. I'm back and forth on this one. I think the Bearcats are going to get it done, though. Cincinnati. The Fiesta Bowl. Huh. Four and two, Oregon. Um, Iowa State, they're deserving to be in it, though. Oregon, uh, I don't know. The Fiesta Bowl, January 2nd, 4 p.m. 4 p.m. on ESPN. Lance, go ahead. Uh, Iowa State. Iowa State. Iowa State, yeah. That, that one won't even be close, in my opinion. The Orange Bowl, last New Year's Six Bowl Ooh, game. Interesting. Yes, right January 2nd, 8 p.m. on ESPN. Texas A&M and North Carolina, their first New Year's Six Bowl berth, oh, maybe ever. They had, it's 97. 90, Probably last time Mac was Mac there. was there? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so go ahead, Lance. A&M big. Uh, opposite. <laughs> Carolina big. Those two running backs. That's going to be a fun game to watch in North Carolina. Texas A&M is going to be ready to play in this one, but so is North Carolina. I got the Aggies by a field goal in overtime. This may be the most fun. Oh. Now, Florida-Oklahoma is going to be a fun one. This may be the closest one to watch. This one's going to be a fun game for sure. All right, here we go. The college football playoff. The sh well, I'll start with the Rose Bowl. <laughs> the Rose Bowl, quote-unquote, in Arlington, Texas, 8 p.m. on e – or excuse me, that's the national championship. 5 p.m. on ESPN. One seed Alabama taking on four seed Notre Dame. Lance, go ahead. Alabama by a million. Bama. Yeah, you can't bet a bit. You yeah. you can't bet against them. Bama by a lot. The Sugar Bowl in New Orleans. Now, one thing real quick, I thought was interesting listening to uh, Gary Barda. Is that his name? The college football chairman, um, playoff chairman, who's the athletic director of Iowa. Um, he said a lot of people were confused why Alabama got the Rose Bowl, and I thought his reasoning was fantastic, saying that they can host 16,000 fans in Dallas, but only 3,000 at the Superdome in yeah. New Orleans, which is – but um, the Sugar Bowl, 8.45 p.m. on New Year's night, New Year's Day night. Clemson and Ohio State, two-seed Clemson versus three-seed Ohio State. Lance, go ahead. Uh, I think Clemson big, too. They were hitting their shot, so Clemson. Yeah, I'm going Clemson as well. The Tigers are going to – Beat the brakes off of Ohio State. Ohio State, I'm sorry, they shouldn't have been in the playoff at 6-0. Clemson is going to expose them on national TV and head on over to the national championship game, which will set up on January 11th, the national championship game, 8 p.m. on ESPN. One-seed Alabama versus two-seed Clemson, according to us. 
which we'll pick next week. Cliffhanger. All right. All right. Cliffhanger. All right, we got the cliffhanger. Um, big thanks to David Duncan, our title sponsor, Duncan Mazda and Blacksburg, for guest picking for us. Thanks for stopping by again and picking some games. My pleasure. And I uh, look forward to watching some good bowl games. Absolutely. Good bowl season. Good bowl season. And it's gonna, just going to be fun. A lot of passion out there with a lot of teams opting out. Well, Lance, we've been around for a long, long time. Easily our longest podcast. Thanks, everyone, for sticking around and listening. Um, we'll close it out real quick. But you got any final thoughts before we head into Christmas break and uh, the, the holiday week? No, I'm wrapped up. All wrapped up. Well, keep in mind. The Hokies will face off against the Longwood Lancers in basketball tonight, 8 p.m. on the ACC Network, and then we'll have basketball coverage next week for the game against Miami on the 29th. Well, for Paul Duncan, our producer, Lance Weller, my co-host in Apex, I'm Carter Hill, um, your host and contributor to Fifth Quarter. Thanks so much for listening to this episode 13 of the Government Podcast presented by Duncan Mazda in Blacksburg. Have a great holiday, everyone. We'll talk to you next week. Enjoy your sports week.